here with Scott Welsh, publisher of Muscle Insider. Scott, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Jason. So, Scott, you know, you are a legend in the in the fitness game. I know a lot of people know you from Muscle Insider, but I know you from way back in the day at the Muscle Tech days. You know, you are one of the pioneers in the industry. I want you to give us a little bit of insight on, you know, how you started at Muscle Tech and how you got in the industry and how you became who you are today with Muscle Insider. I grew up wanting to be a pro bodybuilder, and I realized I didn't have the genetics. I had an ectomorphic frame. As a kid, I used to do fashion runway modeling. It right. sounds ridiculous, but I, I was really a skinny kid. And when I learned I didn't have the genetics to be a pro bodybuilder, I wanted to be an expert uh, in the, the business side of fitness. Mm. And so I did a degree in nutrition at Ryerson, and I got hired after my last exam to be a formulator at Muscle Tech back in 1998. Mm. We had uh, about 20 staff members at the time, and um, I learned a ton of, of uh, things at that time because we were a smaller company. Mm. After a year, I got moved over into doing marketing and product development on the marketing side of things, and I stayed there in total for six and a half years. So learned a lot there, then went on to launch a product called SlimQuick, mm. world's first female Burner. That was number one selling female fat burner in North America for eight years. I did. I developed that. Did all the marketing, etc. Uh, went through some lawsuits on that. Don't mind saying that. Mm-hmm. That was uh, pretty crazy. Got sued by the largest weight loss company in the world with wow. SlimFast. Wow. That's a claim to fame. And also got sued for a hundred million dollars. Wow. Uh, name personally. So I survived all of that. Mm-hmm. Learned a ton. I kind of got a degree. I guess you could say alongside that in the legal aspects. Of, uh, of marketing supplements in uh, North America. After that, I went on to do consulting for different supplement companies. I've worked with about 30 now to date. My other business is Muscle Insider, which I started uh, nine years ago this November. Wow, wow. So, I mean, in all the years you've been in the game now, I mean, what does anything surprise you? Like, are you ever shocked with anything that happens? Um, I follow all the trends, and um, I guess what I'm... I'm not really shocked. What I'm really intrigued by is the lengths in which companies will go to, um, I guess, remarket an old concept a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, you know, it's a good question. I, I, I guess I can't say I'm shocked. No, sorry. No. Actually, you know what? I was shocked to see cricket protein. Yeah. I, I was shocked to see cricket protein. Yeah, and that, then I, another one I believe is uh, chicken blood protein. Wow, um, that one was was definitely different out there. <laughs> so I mean, you've chosen to go into the magazine business, and for a lot of people who don't know, I've run a magazine for five years, and right. it is a tough, tough business. You know, I I I put like I appreciate the fact that you're still in the game, you're thriving. Tell us what it's like to run Muscle Insider. Give us an insight. Good question. Uh, print uh, is obviously on newsstand is in decline. Mm-hmm. But what's actually improving in sales on newsstand are things like gaming magazines. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that want to know how to improve um, their use of certain apps. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the niche titles. What really is dead in newsstand is in general news, mm-hmm. time-sensitive news. You get that on Facebook. You get that on Instagram. Um, so... Muscle Insider is great. It has its place. Uh, we do a lot of online, a lot of social media, a lot of digital work. Um, and uh, we distribute our magazine in Canada only. And we do that through the Popeye stores and all the independent supplement stores here in Canada. So it works for what it works, but it would not work if it wasn't for digital. Mm-hmm. We use a lot of online, a lot of uh, social media. And that's one of the things we do. 
Um, we're very pro supplements. So obviously 99% of our business comes from supplement companies. So because I'm a marketer of supplements, I know how to ensure that the customers that we work with are getting the publicity that they want, as well as being able to give the consumer some useful information that can help improve their, their lives in some way. But my other business is the marketing supplement uh, company, or sorry, supplement marketing. And that's kind of my bread and butter, whereas the magazine, we have the former editor-in-chief from Muscle Fitness running things mm-hmm. on the editorial side. We have a lead art director from Muscle Mag who was there for 20 years. He's running all of the creative direction on that. And um, we've gone 100% virtual model. So we've kind of uh, paralleled what you sort of see in internet companies where we have a science editor in England, we have our editor-in-chief is in Las Vegas, uh, our accounting is in Northern Ontario, and our printing is done in Winnipeg. So we use a completely virtual model, and uh, that works for us. We keep our overhead down, and we just continue to uh, try to improve different things. And we, uh, like you guys, we cut out things that we find definitely don't work. Mm-hmm. As you said in the Vince Del Monte uh, interview, we double down when we find that things are you know, uh, are working. So yeah. definitely, uh, but it's changing every day. Yeah. So I mean, you're would you consider yourself a fan of the sport? I'm a fan of all things performance. That's why I really like the the name that you've chosen with perform because that's what we're all about too is is improving performance. That can be health performance, mental performance. Um, so I'm a fan of that. Um, the competition side of bodybuilding is one aspect of it, but there's more readers of our magazine that are non-bodybuilders and non-competitors than there are competitors. I'd say in our target market, roughly 5% of people actually that we have as readers would actually get on stage and compete. Wow. What did you think about the Phil Heath uh, you know, decision that happened this year at the Olympia? I thought it was very fair. Mm. I thought that uh, Phil's stomach was distended. I thought that he wasn't in the condition that he was, he's, we're used to seeing him. Sean Roden, forget what we think about him uh, personally and saying you know whether we like him or not, the judges decided that direction. It was very fair. These very qualified judges, and they're standardizing what that segment of the Olympia should look like. So I thought it was good, and it was actually the first time I was excited about the Olympia in a number of years because it's been so predictable. Mm. And that's not been really exciting for our readers. Um, That's not exciting for the sport. That's not exciting for sponsors. Uh, So you have to have these things exciting. Mm. The industry's changing a lot. You know, one of the things that, you know, is debated a lot right now is bodybuilding is kind of being phased out and more people are looking towards physique, fitness. You know, what are your thoughts on that? You know, what is changing is the definition of the word bodybuilding. Back in the 70s and 80s, bodybuilding was put the banana hammocks on, rub yourself in oil and get up there and hit most musculars, and that is really changing, Mm -hmm. and the IVB has expanded that. And we also had female bodybuilding back in the day, then we got in with having fitness, then we got in with having figure, bikini, and it kind of just changed, and women's physique kind of came in. So to see the men's physique come in, and then see men's classic physique come in, to see that has been better because let's face it, I mean, you, I, I believe, Jason, I mean, you're one of these guys who every time I see you, you're ripped 247. But I personally believe that if I could give you a pill that would make you look like Big Rammy, mm. you wouldn't take it because I don't think you want to look like Big Rammy. I wouldn't want to spend the money to change my clothes. It's too yeah. expensive. But, so you, yeah. but that's not your physique no, in your mind. No. It's not that you yeah. have given up that idea. Yeah. It's just that you wouldn't want to look like that. No. And when you first started weight training, you may not have wanted to look as big as you or, or ripped as you are now, but you slowly get desensitized to it and your goals become a little bit higher than where you're at. But what we found in Muscle Insider is 
not all guys want to look like Branch Warren or want to look like Big Ramy. Some of these guys like the men's physique guys, but I've actually talked to some of the jacked-up bodybuilders who want to look like Ramy, and I tell you, they wouldn't want to be Mr. Olympia or men's physique Mr. Olympia winner, even if they could. They say, "No way, I don't want to look like those board shark guys." Mm. So I think what's old school is not accepting that people have different goals. Mm. It doesn't mean everything's running. And I can tell you from the shows that we do, fifty percent of the contests we do, we do roughly fifty-two in Canada that we cover. Um, about fifty percent of that is female, mm. and it's because bikini. Is big, but hey, not every girl wants to look like that. There's girls that want to be bigger, so they maybe they're into figure, and there's some that even want to be bigger, and so that's women's physique. And then there's some diehard female bodybuilders, they just want that, and they don't want the other thing. So everyone has different goals, and for us, we just cater to the science of building muscle, losing fat, and gaining strength. And for Nutribolics, I mean, you're not saying that, hey, this is 100% male, or this is 100% men's physique, and you look at Henry Pierano making it to the Olympia. That's a great, he's got a great physique, but I don't think that he would want to be a men's physique Olympia winner, even if you if he could. Mm. Um, so it's just accepting that there's different uh, people have different goals. You know, you go to I think it's what did you say fifty two shows two shows a year fifty two shows a year. So I mean, for someone who's maybe only has a chance to go to you know say one yes. right, what is the most exciting Canadian show that you think that if you were to go to one show, what would it be? Toronto Pro Super Show. And how has that been over the last, you know, couple of years? Has it been growing? Or? It's been growing every year, and they're introducing different sports into it, which has been great, and uh, giving a lot of people more entertainment value. You're seeing CrossFit in there. You're seeing strongman. You're seeing powerlifting, MMA. You're seeing these different things coming in, and it's growing the sport as a whole. Um, and it's also helping supplement companies reach the different types of consumers that are there. So it's an expo that's there. We put a cage on. We have a lifting event there where we get people to actually participate in the brand. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think Nutribolics has had a huge presence there, the huge the wall of black yeah. all the way up sky high. Yeah. Uh, so you guys have supported that show, and uh, it's definitely a, a very exciting show. You know, for the people who don't know, one of the most admirable things I, I find about you is that you're able to work with your wife. You yes. know, how? Tell us about that relationship. You know, how you can do that on the day to day. Like, give us some secrets for people out there. Like, you know, myself, if I were had a girlfriend, like I'd be scared to, to be in a relationship and work together. Give give us some lowdown on that. You have to be the CEOs of your own areas. That's really worked for us. Mm-hmm. So she uh, was in a sales background within the mainstream advertising area in, in Toronto and in Vancouver. So her area is on the pitches, the presentation, formalizing the details. I've been very careless when it comes to details like that. Mm-hmm. And she's been good with finances. So she handles that area. I'm more on the editorial side. And I have a degree in nutrition. So she doesn't get in my lane. And I think, as you've said before, everyone has to have a lane. Mm-hmm. And so it works. It actually has brought us a lot closer because we can share stories. So if I go to the Olympia, we travel to the Olympia together. Mm-hmm. And while I'm there, I can share that. So we never grow apart because we're actually both... Um, having our careers progress together Mm. and we're learning from each other Mm. but it has been tough sometimes when you're both in the same area Mm. and we have to respect each other as executives and not pull the hey husband wife car that Mm. doesn't work Mm -hmm. Um, but you know she's uh, it's definitely brought us a lot closer together but we both have passion for fitness and that's how we met was in the gym so it kind of uh, helped us uh, find com- commonalities uh, that worked for us nice so I mean when she came into this industry you know this industry is is different you know yes. to say the least right give us a, a moment or something that maybe she said where she's like 
like, has there been anything that she's been, Scott, I can't believe this, or like, like, give us something funny that maybe you shared the two of you when she first got started in the industry. Janet had a hard time adjusting to some of the personalities that are in this. She's used to dealing with Nike and Reebok and Procter and Gamble, and having hundreds of thousands of dollars of campaigns. Getting used to five thousand dollar campaigns, three thousand dollar campaigns was very small for her. But she wasn't used to this kind of stuff. Some of the people that I deal with, they want to go to the gym. That's a meeting. They want to go work out. Let's do chest. You know. So they don't want to sit there and and, and have wine. I mean, they that's what they do. I mean, I look at you and some of the meetings that you've done and you've got your Tupperware and you're, you're on point and you're always eating every three hours. Yeah. Well, that's not the world of Procter Gamble and Reebok and stuff like yeah. that. Um, so that was a big adjustment for her. I think that, uh, you know, you get uh, some of the roid rage that we sort of hear about. You have some people's personalities in the industry. It's a very selfish hobby, the sport of bodybuilding and fitness. And so the people that are really into it are really into everything about them it's all about them mm-hmm. and um, that's really difficult for somebody who doesn't know that that's maybe some of the deficiencies that the people that she's dealing with may have mm-hmm. so you have to know your audience and if you don't know the first thing about the bodybuilder and a keto and how they might be on a low-carb day they may be irritated mm-hmm. you kind of don't understand how to when to push and when not to push so I've tried to help her and I gave her a few lessons and um, I remember one customer we had brought Dorian Yates uh, uh, to Toronto. In fact, uh, this is a good plug for the time when you actually won mm-hmm. the best abs contest right. and had Dorian Yates actually judge it. Yeah. And um, Dorian said he would do a seminar on Sunday to help make it worth his while. We paid him to come, but he wanted a, a, to do a seminar as well to make some money. So we said, look, that's going to be money that he makes, so it's nothing to do with us. We had a customer who wanted to actually attend that. And I said very clearly, look, I can let you there, but it's $60 and it's him who's charging it. I'm just organizing it for him. And the guy was absolutely furious that it wasn't paid for for him and his friend to go. Mm. And it was an advertiser at the time. And I tried to say, look, you should just comp this $60 for him because you're going to have an irate bodybuilding customer. She wouldn't let it go because she didn't want to reach into our pocket to pay that wrong move. Mm. The guy didn't show up. The guy was pissed off. I think we lost him as an advertiser for probably six months. Wow. So that was a good lesson that learned that sometimes uh, when you save a, a you know save a nickel, you lose a dollar. Mm. I'm not sure how the phrase goes, but yeah, um, yeah you got to sometimes you got to spend to make. Mm. Tell us about what's happening in the near future for Muscle Insider for Scott Welsh. Is there anything you wanted to talk about today that's happening in the next say six months? We just got an expansion into uh, Shoppers Drug Mart stores, 250 stores in Canada. Wow. That's the largest pharmacy chain in Canada, which is great. And there's a lot of supplements that are sold there now. So that's really helping allow us to have it more convenient for the consumer to get to. So that's been good. Our new issue, obviously I couldn't uh, not plug it, mm. but Logan Franklin and Dana Lynn Bailey, the first time we've ever used a male and female on the cover. So these are two social media celebrities, and no magazine that I'm aware of has ever used a social media celebrity of fitness and used two of them at the same time. Mm. This is an incredible effect for us because on social media, as soon as they posted it, our fan count jumped enormously because both have a very separate market. Mm. And they loved it too because the DLB fan is not the same as the Logan Franklin fan. And so a lot like the stuff you guys have been doing from Alicia Marie uh, over to uh, Logan Franklin, sorry, not Logan Franklin, but Frank Mir, 
they have different fan following that's there. So that's good for them to promote, uh, cross-promote, mm-hmm. and that's what we're sort of doing as well with mm-hmm. what we've, we've been after. So. Nice. Well, while you're plugging, I might as well plug one of our products, the Keto Carb. Absolutely. What are your, what are your thoughts on the Keto Carbs? Like, as a, you know, I call yourself a legend, you know, what would you, what, <laughs> what, what would you, what are your thoughts? I think the keto carb is a great idea at this point. Ketogenic diets have been around for a long time, and they've made a resurgence, and uh, right now the consumers really are giving uh, keto a try. Mm. And when you can eliminate a whole macronutrient in the carb area, it's a lot easier for people to follow, but some people just don't know. Well, are carbs gonna make me fat, are carbs gonna make me not fat? And how many calories am I taking in a day? So keto has been very good for those people. I definitely don't think that um, it's a message to say, eat as much as you want and you'll still lose weight. There's still a calorie count that you have to get below maintenance. But products like keto, uh, keto carb, I think, are useful to consumers because now they can still introduce carbohydrates into the diet without feeling that they're going to spike insulin through the roof. And I think that you guys control the amount of carbs that are in a serving anyhow. So you're able to, you're not saying go zero carb, you're just saying use the right carbs and time them correctly. And that's the same message that we're doing because we all know that glycogen levels start to go down. Your brain oftentimes will run on carbohydrates. I know they can resort back to using ketones eventually, but short term, breaking into a carb, a ketogenic diet, sometimes having a little bit of carbs at the right time post workout is a great way to be able to do a modified ketogenic diet. So I like the idea. I think the timing is great. I think the name is great. And the red packaging is definitely different. I like it. I think it stands out from the traditional black color that you guys have done. And I think that uh, you guys have done a good job on this one. Mm, thank you, thank you. Did you have any questions for me or Nutribolics before we wrap up today? Uh, what uh, have you seen as the biggest difference in terms of uh, changes from when you and Rodney were in your parents' games room? What then may coming out with a product has changed versus how it is today with coming out with a product? I think that nowadays people are much more educated. So back in the day, I mean, you know, proprietary blends was something that, you know, everybody was doing. So for us, I mean, we could put out a proprietary blend and, you know, now we can't do that. You know, now we don't believe in doing that because the the consumer wants to know exactly what's in it. So it's extremely competitive now, like more so than ever. I feel like now we have to label it the dosages have to be clinical dosages there's no there's no corner cutting you know back in the day it might have been a bit of a softer approach if you want to call it but now there's no no cutting corners now we have to put out now our products are just getting more and more and more innovative like we just we cannot put out a good product it has to be amazing Mm -hmm. so i would say that you know definitely the quality and the time and the energy you know Keto Carb, you know, we haven't released a product, you know, in, in over a year. So we've just been working day and night to get a product to market that we were excited about, something that's a world's first, you know, never been done before. I, I don't know any, you know, carbohydrate that's a keto. So we're extremely excited. And, you know, that's been the entire year focus on launching one product. You know, a lot of, back in the day, we could launch, in a year, we could probably launch six products. Mm-hmm. You know, now we can't launch six products because we'll be putting out six okay products yes yeah now have you found that uh, being a Canadian company has helped or hurt you in the supplement industry you know I I don't know if it's really I don't know any different whether I'm Canadian US or where I'm from I think that you know people seem to trust 
being in Canada more so, you know, because the U.S., the regulations are a lot more, you know, free than Canada. Canada is more, you know, clamped down. So I, I do feel maybe it's helped, you know, because people like the fact that, you know, we're such such a regulated country. Yeah. So I would say, yes, yeah, it's, it's a plus, definitely. Who came up with the name Nutribolics? I would is have it all like nutrition meets anabolics or like what is, how, who came up with it? Rodney came up with it. I got to be honest. You know, he came up with it. Um, you know, we had our first meeting. He was living with four strippers in uh, Toronto, okay? And uh, he, he had a stripper pole in the house, right? And it was like the it and we had the meeting on his in his living room, right? Uh, next to the stripper pole. And uh, he he said, you know, Nutribolics and I said I love it. And at the time, people don't know this is a very interesting fact. Um, Twin Lab actually owned the trademark. So we started the company with Twin Lab owning the trademark. Now, the Twin Lab owns an enormous amount of trademarks, sure. right? So what I had to do was I had to hire a private investigator to basically investigate the usage of the trademark, right? If they're using it. But we had already started the company. I didn't even know this. I didn't even know about trademarks when I started because I started at like 21 years old. Sure. So then I had to basically send them a letter which would announce that we're using the trademark. And we said, you know, hey, we've got evidence you're not using it. And we actually had to pay them five grand and they sent us over the trademark. But we could have lost the trademark. If they were using it, they could have sued us and basically we would have had to change the entire company name. Who knew? Yeah, so so that was quite the adventure. I learned a lot about trademarks real early on. Well, this is great. Thank you very much for having oh, us here. Thank you. I'm excited to find out more, obviously, about your bar. I understand there's a bar that's coming yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, when are we gonna see that in the market? I'm hoping, like, you know, by spring 2019, we're going to drop the bar. It's big. Yeah, it's going to be big. We've had, you know, we've been working on that bar for probably two years now. Another product that's just been in development. But, yeah. you know, because, you know, we want to launch a bar. There's a lot of competition. We want to launch something that's groundbreaking. And I think that we've finally done it. And I think that people are going to, the response is going to be phenomenal. I mean, everybody who's tried the samples has just been blown away. Mm-hmm. I've always liked that you guys have innovative ingredients. And obviously, it's right in your slogan with innovation is everything. How much time do you guys spend into the uncovering innovative ingredients? You know, I always say too much time. You know, I'm always like pushing the needle, like as Gray and Rodney, but they're just perfectionists, right? So, I mean, it could be anywhere from, six months to a year to two years. I mean, we've had even some products be as long as two and a half years, you know? I mean, because, you know, we can't, nowadays, it, the product has to have everything. It has to be priced right, it has, to, it has to have the great taste, it has to have the great feeling. We can't screw anything up, yeah. you know? I mean, the competition is too fierce to be playing games, right? So, nowadays, it feels like we're spending almost about a year per product. Like, that would be, wow. that would be the, you know, from start to finish, from the moment that we decide we're going to do this to the moment we actually get it out on the market. Yeah. Back in the day, you know, it could be three months, you know, it could be six months, you know, but I mean, just depending on the product, but now I'd say a year. Really year. Cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks very much oh, for having me on the show. Appreciate it, Jason. Thanks, Scott. I hope everybody out there is ready to perform. <laughs>